But did Paul say it? You know what? Who made himself the main character in the whole Bible? Fucking Paul. Am I right? <laughs> Renee and Paul would be the perfect love match. Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction and about how white women missionaries are the absolute worst. The worst! <laughs> I'm Lindsay Stranigan. I'm Meg Weber. I'm Sarah Johnson. And today on the pod, we are talking about Savior Complex, a docu-series on HBO Max about Renee Bach, who started an organization in Uganda called Serving His Children when she was the ripe old age of 19. Uh, we're going to get into episodes one and half of episode two on this. It's going to be a two-parter. And I'm going to give a little trigger warning at the start because there's a lot of triggers in this. We got we got white supremacy. We got colonialism. We got children's death and harm. We have, I don't know, just like white people being terrible. Well, what else do I? What else am I missing here? Medical malpractice. Poverty. Porn, yeah. Poverty porn. porn. Yeah. There's yeah. Some it's real, really, really hard to see imagery and and video content. Renee had videographers, so there is a lot of footage that is from serving his children. So it's it's by them. They're very proud of it. Um, it's very hard to watch. It's very hard to watch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't want to watch the docuseries, we completely get that. We watched it, so you don't have to. Yeah. And you're free to – you know, watch along as well. And this is going to be a kind of a recap, uh, but also we're going to be talking about our own feelings. We will definitely get into white saviorism and colonialism and all the other fun isms. Um, it's, yeah, it was a tough watch. Our blood boiled. Our notes are kind of hilarious. There's a lot of like exclamation point, exclamation point, yeah. exclamation point. Like, yeah, there are some names. We used a lot of choice words for her. Um, yeah. So that's what we're talking about today. A lot of self-reflecting, a lot of recognition of our own roles that we played in the same way, the, the ways that we showed up as white saviors, as young white girls in other places where we maybe shouldn't have been. We want to acknowledge uh, the harm that is caused, that we participated in. And for me, the goal of this is really the exposure of the harm that white evangelicals have perpetrated, not just on the continent of Africa, but globally. Yeah, we've been messing shit up forever. And, you know, full confession here, like this docuseries hits real close to home because I, uh, as a young little white Christian lady, did in fact go on a medical missions trip to Uganda. Uh, I wore scrubs. I did not practice medicine. I did not insert IVs into people. There's some differences, key differences between Renee and I, but um, that homeschooled horse girl <laughs> going on a mission, feeling the call of the Lord. Her mom was helping people with by helping children, quote, with special needs. So that was that was the environment in which she lived. Very fun. Yeah. And all of those, all of those things ring pretty, pr pretty true to my life. I was that homeschooled horse girl who had a heart to serve the Lord and ended up in Uganda doing things that I really had no business doing. So yeah, I, the, the cringe factor was real high for me watching this, the embarrassment, the just like wanting to shrink into a ball and apologize to the entire world for the embarrassing things I did while evangelical. Spoiler alert, Renee is not... <laughs> at all. That's true. That That's true. Yeah. I just want that throughout the entire series, she really is just doubling down over and that over bitch, and over again. That bitch is not sorry. No. Dude, at all. Literally, this is this is the thing that I kept thinking is like, how did she not get indoctrinated with the deep inner self-loathing that we were all taught to have about every part of ourselves because of we were not just born evil, but also born evil with vaginas and then had to be assigned female at birth and then trained up in the way we should go. But man, she is one liberated blonde white lady on the continent of Africa, maybe not so much in the U.S. So at the ripe old age of 19, Renee heard a sermon that said something about like, are you being tired? Are you tired of being safe and predictable? And she heard the sermon and decided to go 
to Africa and or Uganda. I think it was Uganda specifically. Don't know why she was called to that specific country, but that's where she ended up. She dabbled in several types of humanitarian aid and ministry. And like there's these videos of her, it's her and all these young white girls in their long skirts running around Uganda, loving on children, uh, as they like to say. (laughs) Yeah. Talking shit about the parents like a lot. Yeah. Men in particular, but also the the mothers. They really have some weird uh, ideas about them. Yeah. And she loves it so much. She decides that this is it. This is the place for her. And somehow, we are not told how, she gets a large palatial gated piece, beautiful piece of property in the middle of a quote unquote slum, as she calls it, uh, in uh, a small town in Uganda. And she decides she's going to feed people. She's starting a feeding program and she's feeding the kiddos beans and rice there's some really weird asides that she talks about. She's w- warning people that it's going to be really chaotic and that people might swarm them. And that. And she even says something about we might need to be mean. Do you remember that? That quote really stuck out with me. She's like, you're going to have to be mean. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. Wh- I think that why? means there's no seconds. Or like breaking up fight. I don't know. The whole thing was really condescending. Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly, it is. I think it's really difficult to hear people uh, looking down on and being condescending toward people who are in need of basic nutrition and access to food. And so it is, it, it's disturbing to say the least to watch a bunch of white girls from the US. And I'm saying girls because they're really not girls, but not yet a woman. Right. You know? Right. They're, they're still like finding Virginal. their legs and they're like, you don't get sarcasm. You know, it's just like a bunch of white girl Christians who are super big nerds. And honestly, it is offensive and horrifying to hear them talk about people as if they're animals or as if they don't have any ability to kind of function. And also, to be honest, like the per the person that I am where I'm like, well, if we plan things better and have a decent process, then like maybe we won't have these terrible things makes me mad that they didn't just be like, well, all we had to do is cook rice and beans in this flatbread. Maybe we could take a little bit of time to identify like how this can work in a way that's not going to also cause harm and danger for anybody. But, you know, that's just me. Or also <laughs> maybe do it more than two times a week because the feeding program was twice a week and they were elated at the impact that they were making. I think that's also the glorification of their own service was really evident. And it was a lot of self patting on the back, um, which is gross and is like not really, I think, what God would have intended. I mean, there's also false humility. Like, I think that's the other part of it that I hate is there's no actual humility at all. There's just, oh, well, we're we're here at the hands of God. And it's sort of, uh, it's one of those things where it's like somebody's not totally being honest with themselves or with with you, and it feels really like unsafe and weird. So yay, <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun time. Yeah, it's just like we said, so much of this is hard to watch because you see that like there's nothing inherently wrong about feeding children, right? And, but it's just like watching video after video of these like kids with their distended bellies and you know they're they're obviously starving and then these white girls is like running around just like hugging them and just being like oh baby I love and Renee does adopt at the age of 20 she adopts an African child and like think what you want about that you know the child's mother had died and didn't have other relatives but like the way that they speak about it the way Renee's mom like we'll get into Renee's mom Renee's mom is a problem Oh, we're going to have a whole Renee's mom section. I feel like one episode about her mom is like uh, not She's, enough. Yeah. And th- I believe like one of her first lines in the film is like, when I saw that baby, I knew she was our grandchild. I'm like, how did you fucking know that this one of how many other babies were there that were orphaned? We will never know. We just know that at the age of 20, she adopts a Ugandan child. At this point in the docuseries, they introduce, they kind of, we cut to no White Saviors, which is an organization formed against, uh, you know, white missionaries going and trying to save, save other people. And we get into a lot of the problems of colonialism and where these issues started, not just in Africa, but beyond. Yeah. And it really talks about the harm that evangelicals have perpetrated in the name of white Jesus. 
like this idea of white saviorism really truly is colonialism. I mean, it goes back to even this building that she has. It's a giant palatial two-story colonial brick home with a manicured green lawn and a giant wall around it with a huge gate. And where did that come from? Like originally, probably some white people like showed up and were like, hey, I would like to protect myself and my assets while I'm here to save these people who just barely deserve me to be here. So generous. <laughs> but her story does start out the same as ours. Like a young Christian girl is heaven sent to the continent of Africa. First of all, no, you don't just go to like a continent and you're like, here I am. We love to yes. lump them all together though. We loved yes. like Africa is like – it's like, it's all the same. We don't got to know, like, the, you yeah, know, the differences know. between them. It's like in Mean Girls, how Katie, you know, Lindsay Lohan, came from Africa and they never specify a country that she was in. And it's right, just like right. this whole idea of that she's somehow in a jungle, but like, you know, please, Tina Fey, do better, babe. <laughs> I love you, but come on. But Renee is running on this passion, right? Like mm -hmm. episode one is called God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And look, if it's about cooking beans and rice, I'm all for it. Like soak those beans and rice ahead of time. Get the farts out. Like, yes, do your womanly Proverbs 31, whatever. Like show up, cook in the kitchen. Sell your clothing made of purple cloth. Do it barefoot. <laughs> like you're going to be good. And, you know, yeah, like her mission does start with malnutrition, but this story's root is in colonialism. Missionaries came to Africa to feed people, feed people in their spiritual life was their original goal. And then they came and they just saw, look, we can do more. We can actually be kings here. <laughs> Uh, and, and a lot of the medical facilities and supports were started by missionaries, white missionaries, because it's Western medicine, because it's Western medicine. medicine. And they came in saying like, y'all don't know how to do this. Your witch doctors are not helping you. And not only were they um, degrading the culture that they walked into, but they were trying to shift and have everyone assimilate to their whiteness and their Western way of doing shit. There's a really amazing quote that just stuck with me from one of these Ugandans who says, Africa was a continent that was left ravaged over the last 500 years. Africa is not poor. Africa is exploited. Colonialism is white saviorism. It's God put Africa on my heart, the end. Yeah. And Mi it's gross. Missions has always been an essential part of expanding colonial efforts. It's and it's always been because, you know, the, the Catholic Church first and and then many, many, many others since then have had this idea that we are, yes, we're supposed to spread the gospel throughout the lands. Um, but it has always looked like white people going to places and like dressing the children up in white button up shirts and Western clothing and, you know, getting them to, um, yes, assimilate to the things that we think are, quote, Christian, but really they're just part of, of white Western culture. Manifest Destiny is real, y'all. Real. No, it's actually not real. It's just a <laughs> lie that we used to enrich ourselves right. off of the back of the Global South. It's fine. It's so cute. Yeah. Decidedly not real. We just like acted on it for yeah. we a gajillion years it. as if it was. Yes. Yeah. One of the more ironic things, and maybe it's not even ironic, it's just depressing as fuck, is how many of these children are just like running around singing praise songs, like the proliferation of evangelical culture and these people that like don't have the basic necessities to live, yet they're singing. Like there's one scene in the documentary where there's kids running around and dancing uh, around to a song that says something like, children of Jesus have nothing to worry about. And I'm like, these kids have so much to worry about. And like colonialism has done this to them. Like we have destroyed these countries in the name of, of Jesus. And we aren't addressing the root causes 
uh, we're just going there and, and feeding kids and writing blogs and raising money and making ourselves feel better about it. And I'm lumping myself in. Like, obviously, this is about Renee Bach and what she's doing, but this is the missionary experience. And if you have gone on a short-term or long-term missions trip uh, as an evangelical, you will know that this is true. I remember being you know, a young teenager and doing whatever mission trip I did and just coming back and being like, thinking more about like, this changed me. Like really, truly, like this was for me. Like I spent all this money to go and my heart was open and I'm like, can can I just like go on a retreat in the woods and be changed and like have the Lord, like rather than spend a bunch of other people's money that I raised, not my money, have people send me to another country to go like love on some children yeah. and come back a changed woman. There's got to oh, be a better way. And just fucking with those children's attachment and stuff. I mean, it's it's honestly so heinous if we stop for one second and think about what we're doing. I wanted to add my favorite song from this series as well, which is about the Mazungu, which is white, what they call a white people. And they're like, well, white people look like the Jesus that's hung up on the wall in our churches, right? Because they have the classic, like, white Jesus and it's it's like these white people come reflecting that concept of the the Jesus that they see on the wall and these children are singing a song that translates to she has a nice face as though it were washed with milk she is well endowed and it's like praise to the white lady missionaries and that that's my favorite song I honestly what <laughs> that well, yeah, and in that culture, it's been so ingrained at this point that like whiteness equals help and whiteness equals wealth and whiteness like they believe and that's why Renee is able to do the things that she's able to do and be perceived as an expert when she is no such thing. And that actually like really takes us into the next part of the docuseries where we move from a feeding center real quickly into a fake clinic. <laughs> yeah, a medical clinic. Big air quotes big there. Air um, quotes. Big fat fucking air quotes. They are not a licensed medical facility. There is not a doctor who is on staff. They hire a local nurse. And, um, you know, the altruism here, like, I get it. The local hospitals, the way that they're run is that the doctors will prescribe medicines and prescribe. Um, supports for these kids who are malnourished, but then they send the mothers away and it's the mother's responsibility to purchase these medications and to administer them um, and to help their child, you know, rehabilitate from malnutrition. So in 2010, when Renee is like, these hospitals are impossible environments to get care in, we need ourselves to be in charge of this. She starts purchasing medicine in bulk. So this started because... The rehabilitation process for children who are malnourished takes a long time, and the local hospital did not have enough room to house all these children. So they did reach out to Renee because she had a big fucking house, right? And food, and food. caring for yeah, caring for children at like feeding them on a program and following doctors' orders after the after they've re received initial treatment at a hospital is not hard to do. They entrusted her with this. Starts off innocently enough, yeah, but really quickly and let's say that that is that is a, a a normal kind of thing that happens because white missionaries have been in these been in these towns and these villages giving this kind of support and so if if they aren't there for it like we said they're not fixing the systemic problem of malnutrition they're just putting bandages over it well and i have a theory about how it escalated into what serving his children ends up becoming, which is this fake clinic where they're doing all kinds of wild medical procedures that they have no business doing, is Renee is also blogging about yeah. all of this. And she yeah. is writing out the stories of what's happening. And she is realizing that the more she's telling the stories of them helping children and these sick kiddos getting better and there's better responses and people are emotionally connected to these stories. And this girl who has no medical training and no business doing this, but the Lord has called her because she is special and she is saving these babies. So then word gets out. 
in the villages that there is this place where children are getting better. And people just start coming to her. They're bringing their sick children to her, to a, a malnutrition center, not a medical clinic. And any logical, rational person would be like, no, I am not capable of treating this sick child. They need to go to the hospital. But is this what Renee Bach does? No. No. Hell no. Can we also real quick talk about this blog a little more just because if you read any of it, which I did a long time ago, because like I've been following this story since it was happening and it was um, really focused on her as the main subject. So it was very much like an autobiographical kind of self-glorifying effort that she was doing. And I think part of why it resonated so much with people, I mean, this was like 2009, 10, 11, 12, you know, like these are the blogging days when it's still counted. And it's, it's really giving her a direct line to other people who see themselves in her and wish they could be doing the same kinds of things, but instead they can send money. And so she's really centering herself as well in the storytelling and it's about how she's amazingly able to be there because of generous support and all these poor children are kind of just foils for the stories and the mythologizing she's doing for herself about how great she's doing at supporting these children. Yeah. And she straight up says at a certain point in the documentary, as people start bringing sicker and sicker children to her, and she just said, you know, the kids they were getting were so, so sick. And she said, we as an organization were not prepared for this. My response right. was, I just yeah. wrote, so why not send them to the fucking hospital then? Right. Like, There's a place for this. It's where do sick children go? I guess I have to take care of them personally. <laughs> because I am special. And then we get into, it's hard to pick the moments in this that make your blood boil the most. Yeah. This might be it. So we get video of Renee back in the US speaking in front of church to raise funds. We know it well. We've all seen these missionaries doing this. Maybe we've stood up in front of a church and asked for money in the same way. And she, oh, is crying. Mm-hmm. Those white woman tears. And she calls the hospital a grimy, grimy place. And yep. her speech of the church and talks about how this hospital is going to let two twin babies die. They, they've treated them and they're, they're unable to be saved at this point. And so then she decides to take them into her care. I have like many questions about this story. So the hospital just gives up on these babies and then just really- They're like, I guess you can have sure, <laughs> sure. these babies. But she's just talking about like this whole thing over and over again is like about how she was called. And she even says something like on stage in this church, she was like, you know, like that God is going to let this 21 year old with no medical experience, like help these babies. And I'm like, it's, that's not a thing to be proud of. Like that's a thing to be fucking terrified of. And she just thought she was special. And this is a thing that we, again, we're all told. And it's this, this thing that Renee says over and over again, the title of the episode about God not calling the qualified. He qualifies the call. Like you don't have to have experience. You don't have to be good at this stuff. God will just magically make you good at it. He will give you the superpowers to save babies. And spoiler alert, he won't. That's not, it doesn't work like that. Yikes. Turns out you have to like go to school to you be a do. nurse or a doctor. Yeah. Turns that's out. That's like if I decided, you know what? I'm going to build the tallest building in my town right now. <laughs> I have no engineering skills whatsoever. I don't know shit. But I'm going to just start it and I'm going to build it because I'm sure God will just tell me how. Like he did with Noah and the art. Yeah. He'll be like this many cubits, buy that many cubits, make this thing that high, whatever. It's going to be great. But honestly, like it chaps me so fucking hard. <laughs> That this person continued glorifying her lack of education and experience and was seriously acting as though God could give her a CNA license without her going to the nine months of community college or whatever it is that allows you to use some of those basic medical care things that she did need to know how to do. And she didn't go. Like, she just didn't do it she even did, though she seemed to have unlimited money she did take an intensive medical course through a missions two, organization for two, for weeks. two weeks for two, two weeks. weeks 
And she really did feel that she was an ordained, like a natural doctor, that she had this, Mm -hmm. yes, the healing gift and that super witchy. She just could, you know, pick it up and do it like no big deal. That's the other thing that I love is she's just like going on this like, well, God's just telling me what to do for these children all the time. And then also talking shit about, yes. quote, the witch doctors and the village. Yeah. Like she's literally blaming them for yes. the children's deaths that came to her who were too sick. And they're like, well, some of them were just treated by the witch doctor, you know. But she's over here like looking at a child. She has no medical training in this way. She cannot diagnose things. And she certainly should not be prescribing care. And yet she has this like way of talking about her medical intuition and that this is just God kind of whispering into her to give her the knowledge that she doesn't have. And that she's kind of treating these kids in a way where, you know, if you plant a seed and you don't have any knowledge of gardening um, and you see a leaf do something, you're going to just infer your own your own thoughts on it um, and mm-hmm. call it God. And then you're going to find yourself in a malpractice lawsuit or something. So, yeah. Or not. <laughs> And and the biggest problem and which uh, – so there's a doctor, a Ugandan doctor who is uh, runs this children's hospital in Jinja that had started sending kids to uh, Renee's center, whatever we want to call it. Um, and something that really stuck with me is he said like the really frustrating thing about this experience, especially at, at, this is at the beginning. She's so connected and she has a way to get money and supplies that he cannot for his mm. goddamn hospital. And he literally says like Renee is lucky because she is an American. He has the training and the knowledge, but the money was going to her. She does not send any of that money to the hospital. She does not give them supplies. In fact, she complains about like how she has to take this kid at one point to all these different hospitals and they don't have this oxygenator. And she's even saying, she's like, you can just like order one on Amazon. I'm like, then order those hospitals. Yes. Oxygenators. Like, sure, maybe have them at your place too in case something goes awry and your nurse needs to treat a child and you can't get it to there. Over and over again, I just kept writing the hubris the hubris like the the i am special these children need to come to me they don't need to go to the hospital where they can get actual medical care and even the fact that the one nurse that she hired she talks about it like in her blog being a good christian lady you can only have people working on children that are gonna like instill the values of the lord in them you gotta save their lives and save their souls well that's the most important part Really is the Jesus part, I guess. And one of my notes here has said, like, she says something about how local hospitals were grasping at straws to get supplies. And in my, like, parentheses, all caps, why not share them, you greedy bitch? <laughs> That's my note Seriously. On there. Like, is this toilet paper again during the pandemic? Right. Like, why are we such hoarders? And why do we think, like, we're gatekeepers? Like, as a white woman... I get to, one, hold all the money, two, hold all the power, three, like, give it out how I see fit. Ew, 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 yeah, ew. It's, it's super, super it's gross. so ew. Well, that's what happens when we're too close to God and he speaks directly to us and through us. And, of course, as a white woman, I also know it's more likely to be heard if I were in a country that needed the resources that I had. And uh, that I could also assert my dominance in because of being a Mazungo. Well, and then I can just keep blogging and asking for supplies and getting people to feel bad for me and send me money. Mm-hmm. It's a really fun, really fun circle. Here in the story, we get an actual nurse. Here comes Jackie, Nurse Jackie. We love her. She uh, is fresh out of nursing school. Her and her brand new hubby moved to Uganda to they answer the call, the call of the Lord. Another couple of youngins, like young 20s, very fresh, very excited, like wants to serve. Here's the call of God. Inspired by her amazing blog. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. They show an application to be part of Serving His Children, uh, which is the name of the organization. And like under the qualifications, it was like, you don't have to be a licensed teacher to teach or be in the medical field to put on Band-Aids. Like as if that's all they're doing. They're just putting little Band-Aids on Yikes. children, making it seem – again, all of it is so freaking like I mean, you don't have to be a chef to make beans and rice. Like I agree. <laughs> But you do yeah. have to be a doctor or at least someone who has some kind of medical training and or licensing to put an IV in for someone. Yeah. Or, or to know what or medication not. to apply in or a not. specific yeah. way. And what doses to use or yeah. not. By the way, I texted a friend of mine who's an ER nurse and I told her to watch this. She's also like ex-evangelical like we are. And the text that I received while she was watching this, she was – livid. She was so angry about everything Renee was doing, which is a lot of like what Jackie goes through in this is yeah. like she gets there, she's like put me in coach, like I want to I want to help and she quickly realizes that like how many things are wrong, how very sick these children are. She gets and she talks about this there's like the red room which is basically like an intensive care unit in which they have incredibly yeah. sick children who are on oxygen, who are on IVs, who are like way beyond anything that a malnutrition center should be providing. And she said, like, her quote was like, this was over my head as a nurse. Like, I felt yeah. as a nurse that I was not even qualified to deal with, like, what was going on here. There were no doctors coming in to right. see these kids. Like, we had mentioned no. earlier, there were mothers who heard about this white doctor who was saving children. And so they show up there with their sick children. And here comes a woman with a stethoscope around her neck who starts you know, checking out the child and the woman being Renee. Yeah, Renee correct. is wearing a stethoscope. <laughs> yes. She's she's wearing, I think she wears like a doctor's coat occasionally as well. She is presenting herself as a trained like medical practitioner for yes. sure. And someone with a lot of knowledge and a lot of like she had very good um bedside manner. <laughs> well yeah, and she's even – Jackie says that Renee is quite good at putting in IVs. Right. And she, she becomes skilled at some of these of things. She experience at that point um, is what it right. comes down to. Like, yes, maybe she had a, a natural, you know, kind of gift for like a light touch, for finding the vein. I mean, there are, there are things that are just kind of like non-medical that she probably did possess. Um, it's It's the fact that she is diagnosing and that she is – um, prescribing mm -hmm. and that she is doing the work herself while nurses stand next to her. And she has no training in like the biggest thing. And it's funny, like my nurse friend is texting me. She has no ability to understand like when something goes wrong. She doesn't know what to do. She's not taking people's vital signs. She's not taking into the bigger picture. She's doing the few things she knows how to do. And replicating it on multiple patients, even though every patient's experience is going to be unique and different. She's just yeah. replicating the, the like one or two things that she knows how to do. And that's not what a doctor does. Right. No. And so it's she's not coming at it from a place of, you know, knowledge. Yeah. And so Jackie starts looking at the medical records. She starts looking at the dosages and she is kind of floored by how high the dosages are. She's starting to question Renee. She's just having some real problems with, you know, what, what's going on. And apparently when pressed, Renee's response was, I know this sounds kind of weird, but sometimes I feel like God just tells me what to do. Oh, my skeleton Lord. left my body. I am floored <laughs> like, by this statement. Like the absolute bullshit of this statement, like just, can she just stop for one minute and like, can we play that back again for her? Like, I think she needs to record herself and like hear it because, you know, it's just, oh, Tobias, you blow hard. <laughs> like, here's what you do, Renee. You just get a little tape recorder and you just use it. Record yourself. I mean, honestly, this is actually a really interesting part to me because of my nonprofit nerdery. And part of it is this um, phenomenon called founder's syndrome. And it is when people basically are running an organization and it exceeds their ability to manage it. A lot of times a founder will start something and it'll be good and successful in its way. But then once it grows past a certain point and that person is no longer 
really qualified or experienced enough to take it to the next place, they might sometimes destroy the organization by digging their heels in. If someone comes in and gives them information that they don't want to hear, then they become the target and the founder will try to edge them out. Mm -hmm. And the founder doesn't necessarily do anything that makes sense to anyone else. Since my very limited experience in this wasn't about a life or death situation with children in Africa. It was like learning how to write grants. And I went to my old executive director and was like, okay, I need to learn how to do the budgets. And she's like, okay, well, you can get numbers from our accountant, but they're always wrong. So I just do it like this. And I'm like, okay, so you make it up. (laughs) She's like, I get some stuff from Anne, but then you know, I make it make sense for the grant. And I'm like, so it's just made up then. Like, cause you're not believing these numbers that are actually like the profit and loss and whatever, like, okay. And so that was interesting. One of many examples, but I do think that it, Renee's reaction to Jackie asking any questions at all yeah. has was to get immediately super defensive and to try to neutralize any power Jackie may have had. And make it seem like she's being undermined by this person who's trying to teach her something she doesn't know. Like, it's ridiculous that she doesn't know somehow. And so she's offended. She keeps saying it's so offensive that someone would act like, I don't know what refeeding syndrome is or whatever. Like, I just, that's an important thing to me is that it is, it happens to people in a lot of ways. When it happens in this kind of a situation, it's like, literally fucking insanely dangerous. So, hey, if you've found an well, organization, get some help. And rather than and rather than get offended, maybe be like, yeah, actually, I'm super familiar with refeeding syndrome and this is how like we're treating it. Like rather than just be like, well, God tells me what to do. And 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 God tells Renee what to do and she also critiques Jackie and says, "Well, she's just fresh out of nursing school, so I'm sure she thought she was being a savior." And for Renee to use that language, I'm like, you fucking know. Yeah. You know what this is. You know what else she did? Right then, she said, Jackie just doesn't respect Ugandan doctors and nurses. And I Did was she like, say that? Oh, yeah. And she did. Yes, because cause she said it's highly offensive to all the medical professionals I've ever oh, talked to before right. in Uganda to assume that I had never heard the term refeeding syndrome because Jackie brought this up and, and brought her a lot of medical information. And said, I'm not seeing any of these protocols being followed. I'm I'm concerned that there are children that are dying or that will die because this is not just a one and done kind of thing. There was, and, and Renee had the audacity to say that um, that Jackie thinks that she's teaching me something I don't know. Yeah, yeah she fucking is. She is a nurse. She graduated and she went through procedurals. She she had to do labs. She had to understand like medications and how they interact with each other but she also Jackie was also so so clear that she follows a doctor's orders that doctors mm-hmm. are obviously more qualified than nurses and and when she saw what was happening in this red room it, it, without doctor rounds without you know, any real medical supervision and that Renee was the lead and that everyone in that room and everyone in their community saw her as this white doctor and and that she just allowed that persona to exist and and she never corrected it even now even as she's ref- as Renee is reflecting on her time in Uganda she is proud of what she did and she is constantly justifying the work that she did um which we just we see continue we see continue in to episode 2 cast the first stone and that only gets us like two years into the future, into 2011, where Jackie yeah. is frustrated with Renee. Yeah, she's she's two years into this ministry and the, the damage has already been done and she's not about to stop. She's not one to apologize. This, no, uh, she says this, that so many Africans have had, quote, bad experiences with Americans that Renee was cultivating a place that was safe, where they're taught religion and then they get fed. And to her, those things go hand in hand, which is to one other big bone I have to pick is if you're going to provide any sort of medical support or, you know, physical, emotional support that to tie it to religion and to force that kind of 
white Jesus onto people as a way for them to then get food is one of the most disgusting things to me. It's something that when I was on missions, I was very against. Um, I did not participate in, in those types of things because they just, they did not, they did not sit right with my heart. It really Hmm. did feel like I was hearing from a different God who was saying, you know, you don't have two hands open one with God and one with food, and you only offer the God one first and the food one has to come after. It's disgusting. Yeah. Food should come with zero strings attached. It is a yeah. basic human right. And people should just be given food. If you are what does Jesus tell us? Like if they like if they are starving, give them food. If they are mm-hmm. naked, clothe them. Like that is what we are told to do. Not like clothe them, but then tell them about how great I am. And what how happened to, they the will way. know us by our good works or whatever. Like you They'll don't know us have by to love. preach the gospel. Like you can just, you guys like show up and love on people. You're so cute. You keep forgetting that evangelicals only care about the Pauline epistles and things Jesus said <laughs> need to be translated through the words of fucking Paul. Right. Right. So right. that's, that's why, because then it's very conditional. It's different. And because Christians are so good at capitalism and the, you know, the Roman Catholic church and then beyond that, all churches since then have thrived on this transactional way of operating where they're like, we have something you need and the thing you need is actually Jesus, but we'll also feed you if you listen to this thing about Jesus or you come to a chapel service. And we, we still do that here all the time. I did a lot of work with houselessness and that is one of the approaches that most missions will take is, hey, we're going to take you in, but you have to sit here and listen to this thing or you have to join this program or whatever. And there's there's not any flexibility for like you literally have an emergency need to have shelter tonight. You can come here. It has to be you then you comply with our thing and it's a big, long, rigorous thing. It's just you, you. Yeah, the whole thing is uh, we could say this eight million times. Clearly, this thing is this documentary is deeply unsettling, and like the practices and the beliefs here are so problematic. And the footage that we are watching is all footage that was, you know, taken for this mission um, to elevate Renee. There are there are conversations that she has with a doctor on camera where she's uh, misdiagnosing a child and calls it the wrong thing the doctor corrects her and then she gets directly on camera afterwards the doctor is not in the scene she's sitting with a very sick child in the red room and she's describing what's going on with this child again she is put into a position where the story is truly about her like the videos the blogs she is using these kids who are in dire states of malnutrition and she is using them to elevate herself and to raise money. And she she doubles and even triples what she, the, the amount of money that she's receiving. Um, and particularly when a, a small girl named Patricia comes to the clinic. Yeah. And this is where shit gets like really intense. Again, like trigger warning. If you, if you don't, this is like, we're going to get into a specific case with a very sick child. So just be warned that that's what we're talking about. Renee tells a story. I mean, she admits that this happened. This is multiple people uh, talk about this in the docuseries, but Renee herself talks about how she was at church and she gets a call that um, someone thinks a baby is dying or possibly dead. A baby is not doing well. So she rushes back to go see about it. Apparently the the nurse was not on site that day and Renee did not think to call anybody else and decides like looks through this kid's chart and decides that she needs a blood transfusion. Does not take vitals does not do a medical exam, does not have anyone medically qualified there when this decision is made. And just does it. And then this child proceeds to start having a pretty intense reaction during the blood transfusion. And Renee is not sure why. So then she calls Jackie and says, hey, Jackie, what do you know about like anaphylaxis or like allergic reactions to blood transfusions? And Jackie's immediately like, why didn't you call me before you started this blood transfusion? But uh, she does not get an answer. I think we know the answer to that. I mean, there were even notes in the in P- baby Patricia's chart that would have helped Renee 
possibly make a more informed decision even, but Mm -hmm. those were ignored. Again, the hubris of her going, I'm going to hear from God and I'm going to act in a medical way. And like you said, Lynn, she does not deny this story and she still talks about it in, you know, current days as like a miraculous, amazing thing that she did. One little caveat, she does track back and say, oh, probably there was a nurse. I don't remember if it must no, have been Constance. She stated that Constance was there. Right, and then right. she backtracks on that when the producers say, we interviewed Constance and Constance, Constance the nurse, like the nurse who was on site, uh, employed by them at this time. And Jackie also testified to the fact that Constance was not there. So two people are now saying, and so Renee has to do some backtracking. And it's like, oh, we had some other part-time nurses. So it was probably one of them that was there. Again, if one of them was there, why didn't they get the blood transfusion? Why was right. it? Why was it you? And so this is seemingly the last straw for Jackie. She has really big concerns. And there was complications to Patricia afterwards. There was – she got this, like, large open wound on her face that was spreading. And uh, I don't remember the, the, the medical term. I think it's necrotizing fasciitis. Right. And this was the note that was in her chart. And it all could have been – they could have avoided all that. And Jackie even asked Renee, did you take her vitals? And she says, no, we were in such a rush. We didn't take any vitals. Like, we- how – how dare you? How dare How you? How dare you? That's it's not fucking- the way you do medical procedures. Like, that's why there is a process. This fly by the seat of your pants, Jesus is going to, Jesus take the wheel, does not apply to blood transfusions, bitch. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, she was just being the hands of Jesus. And Jesus was like, this baby needs a blood transfusion and fast, which is how she wrote it in the blog. Yes, that is again exactly always how she the main character. So she again oh. is the main character, and she doesn't speak of other people attending this with her. She's talking about like I was there, just a normal Sunday afternoon. I got called out of church, and I'm like, all right, let's give a baby a blood transfusion. Let's go. I mean, really, truly, for Renee, like the God card really justifies everything. But for Nurse Jackie, this is a no. So she, yeah. She writes a letter. Um, she she's concerned. She's concerned about the children. She's even concerned about Renee. She she's literally saying she needs more supports. Like this is not sustainable. This is not. These are not the ways that we should be doing these things. And she she sends this letter to the board to really seek help because this board is all in America. <laughs> the board consists of Renee's mother, who's the head of the board, and her pastor. Of her home and I believe, church. And other family members of hers. It's basically just her friends and family. And yeah. basically so. no one with medical training. I just want that to be clear that mm-hmm. like none of the people that are on the board um, are equipped to even to, to even know what kind of medical equipment they should be purchasing for these types of procedures. Like the, the very DIY creation of this medical clinic and and the fact that they call it a clinic and that it is not a medical clinic. They have never been licensed. Um, They were licensed for part of a year from March in 2014 to December of 2014. That was the one and only period of time um, that they were licensed in Uganda as a medical clinic. Well, and what do we think? What do we think the board does? With this letter that they received, they well, act okay. on it swiftly Let's, and they yes. shut that shit down and <laughs> oh, they yeah. do a full investigation and Very justice is served, right? That's what happens. And they, they hire local medical doctors, they send them to the clinic, they ask Renee to just do administration from this point on. They did kind of do that. So that's what's, this is what's funny to me is. What I got today from me, I've, I've watched this a couple times now and in my yeah. note taking today, the thing that I realized is that. The board did decide to have a Ugandan doctor come in three days a week to check in on the children. And there was an aside made that they did this to protect Renee. Clearly. Right. It's a CYA move. Cover your ass. That is all. The end. That's all they did. And they also still cast doubt on Jackie. They're all still talking shit about her. Like Lori Bach. Yeah. Renee's mom. We're going to have Renee's to like, just talk about her in the next episode, I think, because it's going to take some time. Well, with this, though, I mean, her specific response to Jackie, you know, they all downplay Jackie's experience. She's young. She's fresh out of college, which is hilarious because Renee is young and has no Never experience Never gone in this, to but, college of any kind. Right. And, 
And Renee's mom says the life of a child trumps ticking off boxes and following rules, which made me want to rip my fucking hair out. (laughs) I literally screamed. I lost my shit in that moment. Like she is literally describing medical procedures and saying that we don't need to follow medical procedures to save a life, which is literally the opposite of what medical procedures are for and how they're supposed to be conducted. Also, let's talk Let's talk about pro-life people. Let's talk about abortion. Do we apply that to women? Can we, can we save a woman's life by following medical procedures and possibly aborting a fetus? No. We need to wait until they're in full sepsis and about to die if you live in Texas mm-hmm. and then maybe. Yeah, but we can do whatever we want to save the living children, you know, but living women, they don't fucking count. So, uh, no. <laughs> and the living children, I'm sorry, in Africa, because she couldn't have got a job doing any of that shit here. No. Like that is no just one. true. And that's part of what's so fucking gross about this is that she's in another country taking advantage of their need to have resources, to have these kinds of supports, and then she is exploiting it again and again, disparaging what they have there, like just being completely oblivious, not oblivious, unrelentingly stubborn about herself doing a great thing. And she cannot believe anything else about it. And that's very interesting. And it's also a normal thing we all do. Like this is the other truth is like, When we're confronted with things about ourselves that we don't want to believe, it's like having to look face-to-face into a shadow side of yourself. If if she had any kind of emotional intelligence, if she wasn't just surrounded by yes-men slash her own fucking mother being like, my daughter's just the, the gift to the world, because that also makes her feel and look good, right? Like she thinks that she has gifted the world with this yes. amazing white lady doctor person or whatever and she homeschooled her so really all of the education came from her mother good christian parents would have good christian kids that they can brag about we know this like we we don't want to bring shame upon our families we want to be like the ones like they get bragged about in the christmas letter (laughs) you know right yeah oldest daughter syndrome hello it's happening again i mean i I know it well You think that Christmas letter in 2011 mentioned the 26 children that died in the care of serving his children? No, ma'am. It's Africa. Children die. Sorry, that's almost a direct quote from Like, I want to laugh and cry and everything between at that statement. Oh, my God. I mean, Mm. we have so much more to get into. Baby Patricia is kind of the the crux of all this. This is probably the most intense, like, medical case we've seen. The the board doesn't really do anything about it other than, like – send in a doctor. And so when these doc this these doctors come in three days a week, uh, due to the board, they're checking in on things. Do we think that Renee just sticks to her administrative position? She's she doesn't have to do the work. She's got doctors. And spoiler alert, she's still doing the work because she says, quote unquote, this is Africa. And things are just kind of crazy here. And sometimes we're understaffed and you know Sometimes the Lord just has put me in this place. And so she continues to give treatment because sometimes they just need extra hands. Mm -hmm. And she's going to be those extra hands. She's going to be the hands and feet of the Lord. Yeah, because that woman is not going to stop for anything. The babies are dying and questions have been raised about the ethics and she does not care. Clearly. She doesn't agree. You know, this all started out with treating malnutrition. um, And one of the doctors that is reflecting on this says, look, that was great. The intention was really good, but the boundary was the problem. And that to me is just the nail in the coffin. It is the the moment of recognition that this woman who came in here as a young child, as it, let's just call it what it is. She was not 25 the entire time. Her frontal lobe had not developed yet. <laughs> she was um, a homeschooled American girl horse girl homeschooled american horse girl (laughs) who showed up with love in her heart but who yielded her power in ways that elevated her and harmed children there was a point in this 
this episode where one of the people who had worked for serving his children at some point said, oh, I thought she was a doctor, only to find out that she had gone to a home school. And I was like, fuck, that's all she did. That's so weird. Like, I don't, somehow, like, it just escaped me that that's all. And to have these people find out that this woman was literally taught just, like, by her mom. (laughs) Nothing about medical shit, obviously, but... And you creationism, know. probably. And like Aww. some, you know, women have one less rib. And <laughs> he's like, while I'm in Africa, I'm going to see if I can find Mount Ararat and locate the ark. Like, give me a was she, was she counting those babies' ribs, though? I want to know. Did she find some discrepancies in the boy and the girl babies uh, to, to prove that theory? Yeah. And I think the doctor gets into this at a certain point as well, but that it wasn't that her intentions were bad, at least in the beginning. Like there's nothing wrong with wanting to feed children and to partnering with, you know, local hospital organizations and helping them meet their needs. And she maybe started that in the very beginning, but how quickly the attitude of I am special and I am blessed by the Lord and look what God is doing here. Like to be able to tell those stories so quickly clouds the judgment of like, what is actually best for these children? What is actually best for this community? Are we actually helping at this point? Like you are elevating yourself while supposedly saving people. And this is white saviorism. Like we're not we are not trying to disparage helping people. Like we believe in mutual aid. We believe in feeding the hungry. We believe in clothing people. We believe in housing people, all of these things. But there are ways that you need to go about this. And if you believe that you are special and that you are an instrument of the Lord, let me tell you, you are not going about it in the right way. You are um, not allowing people to be seen for who they are and you're not meeting their needs. And especially like my biggest problem in all of this is that there are organizations on the ground in Uganda who are doing the work and like to think that you can come and do it better with no training to be unqualified, but God's going to qualify you. It's just utter and complete bullshit. And the the harm that is left in the wake of that is it's immeasurable. And we'll get into it in the next episode. There's lawsuits that happen. And, you know, this stuff is hard to prove. There's a lot of gray area stuff. People call her a murderer. People are going to throw out numbers of the children that, you know, died because of her. And that stuff, like, doesn't necessarily hold up in a court of law, unfortunately. It's also we'll get into, like, incarceration and all. I, we've got thoughts and feelings that we'll get into and in the, in the next portion of all of this. And we'll get into more of the No White Saviors organization and more of her fucking mom. All, all that fun stuff. really talk about her fucking mom. Fucking Lori It's a fun Bob hang, y'all. guys. We're, this docuseries is a fun hang. <laughs> really. Very... And the thing about Holy Ghosting is that we like to talk about heavy shit and that somehow make really um, – ridiculous jokes in the middle of it because that's how we cope okay uh, yeah and it's the ridiculousness of all of it I think I mean if I can say anything about this and like just you know if Renee were to allow me to speak into her life and <laughs> other would be Renee's out there I think one of the most important things that we can know is that we cannot know everything and that if we are dedicated and interested in something then we should get qualified to do it. And yeah, you know, if you believe in God calling you, whatever, whatever, like, cool. Also, you got to have some accountability. The people who are in charge of an organization need to actually rise to the occasion and do it. So I'm accidentally going to talk about board shit again in the next episode too. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's a very sad thing. And it's also a very common thing. But again, the stakes are usually way lower because most people aren't, really going to go to another country and try to start some medical practice that is based on nothing uh, except for feeding. Just we are errant human beings. We don't know everything about everything. We have to be taught things. We also don't always know what we don't know. And so, you know, being able to say like, hey, I need to learn something. you got to be, you know, teachable. Isn't that something that Jesus likes, I thought? I don't know. Humility? Whatever. Yeah, but did Paul? But did Paul say it? That's Paul. 
You know what? Who made himself in the main character in the whole Bible? Fucking Paul. Am I right? <laughs> Renee and Paul would be the perfect love match. Damn. Thick as thieves. Yeah. Nice. Well, with that, I think that wraps up our recap on the first episode and half-ish of episode two of Savior Complex. Uh, we will be back and we will get into more of the shenanigans of serving his children, which I'm just also going to say it's a stupid fucking name. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a bad name. Uh, I don't like it. So, Renee, take that up. Uh, one of my many grievances with you. It's lower on the list, but I just don't like it. So I also don't like you, Renee. Yeah, we're not going to be friends. Sorry. No, defo, not going to be friends. Uh, you know, even though we got the horse girl homeschool alliance, like, I don't want nothing <laughs> to do with that. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, ghosties. Part two will be out in two weeks. So join us back here again. And in the meantime, please come and see us on the internet. We are on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Holy Ghosting Pod. If you want to join us on our Patreon or join our Facebook group, please, please do. You do not have to be a paid subscriber, but we appreciate every support that we can get because it's a lot to put this show together and we love doing it and we want to keep on. So please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or to our Patreon. You can do it for as little as $5 a month and we have lots of special things coming out for all of our subscribers. You guys, I had a great idea. Another way we can support this podcast. We start a blog where we each get to write about ourselves as the main character in really important life or death issues. And then I think we're just going to like bring in a lot of support. I think this is the best idea I've ever had. You're welcome. Yeah. We're going to blog. We're going to talk about how our hands and feet are doing the work, how we are being called and led, and we are changing the world because, of course, we are. Because we're white ladies. (laughs) It's all about you, white ladies.